When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is August 15th, and this is the Bruins Beat, presented by FanDuel and HelloFresh on CLNS Media. And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And on this episode, Connor Ryan and I dive into the David Krejci news that he is retiring. And again, it was inevitable. We knew, we, we predicted it. We had a good feeling about it, that that was probably going to happen. But it's now official as of Monday morning. So Connor and I dive into the news we dive into his legacy because, you know, we've discussed the future of the center position for the Bruins for a, a lot of this offseason, and we will do a lot of it in the future as well. But we look back at his best moments, should his number be retired, uh, the legacy he leaves behind, how he'll be remembered, uh, what he did for the Bruins. Kind of a nice trip down memory lane um, in lots of good ways. So I think you guys will very much enjoy it. Kind of a little bit of a blast from the past in this episode. Again, we've already done a crazy retirement episode. We did it uh, back in the summer of 2021, but the door seems pretty wired shut now, uh, whereas it didn't seem as shut before. Uh, so uh, David Krejci retires, and here is uh, my conversation with Connor Ryan. <laughs> And we're here with Connor Ryan, who's presented by FanDuel, as well as our good friends over at HelloFresh. HelloFresh is back, Connor, which is great, great news for everyone. We'll be getting to, to all the details later in this episode. But, uh, Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It's uh, Again, it's mid-August, and the time has come. The time has come that we... Uh, we're kind of predicting all summer. We figured it would happen at some point and uh, no surprise to see it at like 9 a.m. on a Monday. I think this thing probably my guess would be had been planned for a while. Uh, David Krejci announces his retirement uh, again. <laughs> Second time. I believe this will be the last time. I don't I don't think there will be a third uh, retirement coming from him unless I mean, I will say the only thing is it says he retired from the greatest league in the world, meaning the NHL. I don't think that means hockey in general. Maybe he decides to represent Chechia or, you know, um, play over there for a bit. But my guess is his time in Boston in the NHL is 
is done. Um, yes. But uh, obviously thanked everyone. I mean, it was a lot of the same stuff he said the first time. Um, but you know what? I mean, I, we did a lot on his career at the time, but this kind of feels final. There was still like maybe the door was a little open to him coming back um, last time. Now it's not. So we can kind of look at his career. I mean, what are you sort of your thoughts? What were you thinking sort of when that retirement news hits? Yeah, I mean, wasn't really surprising. I think we all kind of expected it. Uh, I think it's more, it's one of those, I think the Bergeron one, you get that notification, you're like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> like, Ooh. this one's like, this is about right. I think he kind of saw it, uh, you know, considering last time we spoke to him, we talked about, you know, how difficult it was coming up here. His family really wasn't up here throughout this last season. It was very much a, a business trip, I guess, for him in terms of him coming back this one year and, and trying to make one last run of it. But I think when you look at David Krejci, obviously – what comes to mind is like the, the playoff success, but I think he's such a, an interesting case in terms of where he kind of stacks up for a team like the Bruins that, you know, for century for almost a century has kind of had this team wide identity and he's kind of been against the grain of it. Right. In terms of like, this is a team that's always known for their, you know, physical players or toughness. David Krejci's kind of a poised, mild mannered guy was never the fastest skater, never the strongest, but uh, would always seem to impact the game and always deliver on the highest stage, which when you, you know, look at the city and the pressure he's playing in, a, a city where guys are kind of weighed their legacies in terms of how they can deliver in the clutch, he always seemed to bring that. Um, and, you know, it's just a player that, you know, you look at the various things that led to this kind of almost two decades long contention window the Bruins had. And you can view Chara for stepping in here and setting the tone with the leadership Tim Thomas in 2011, obviously, but kind of that bedrock throughout this has been Bergeron and Krejci down the middle, and that stabilizing presence of what they brought. And now they're both not here. It's definitely, you know, I think we kind of touched on it um, when Bergeron retired. It's going to be very interesting to see how the Bruins move on from it. It's going to be a challenge, or one that I think we're interested to see how they deal with it in terms of moving on from it. But in terms of his career and what he did and what his legacy was, he's such a unique player within like the fabric of what the Bruins have done over the years, but the one that has left a legacy that I personally think he should have that, that uh, Jersey retired. We'll see, but um, still career Bruin who always seemed to deliver in the clutch, which I think is how I, I'm sure most people remember him. Yeah. The Jersey thing I want to get to in a second. Uh, it's interesting. You mentioned the, his, his persona, uh, the mild manneredness, the way he played on the ice. And it's interesting in a city like Boston, where, the guys who usually find the most success are the ones that are 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 grinders. They're dirt dogs. You know, Pedroia, Edelman, Brady, Chara, Berger. I mean, these guys are intense and they're and they're into it and they and they 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 sort of uh, project that. He never really did. I'm not saying he didn't care. He did. Yes, but he was mild mannered and he let things roll off his back and he was nonchalant at times and even played not you know the finesse game, the slowing the game down. But he made it work for him and he made a hell of a career out of it. And it was an interesting approach to a city like Boston, where it's a lot of pressure. Storied franchise, fans demand a lot, management demands a lot. And he rolled with it, just rolled with it. And it worked and it worked really well. And you, I mean, you even think like you mentioned Bergeron Krejci. At the beginning there, it was Krejci Bergeron <laughs> for a bit. Like, you know, like there was and, and we'll get to this in a second, because like. 
to me, I think there are two main things he'll be remembered by, at least in my eyes. Number one, the playoff performances, right? Number one in points in uh, 2011. Number one in points, I believe, again in 2013. Yep. I think he was unconscious in that 2011 run. Uh, yeah. I just think he was freak it. That line of Lucic, Krejci, Horton was absurd. And then, you know, when, when Horton went down, they still really didn't miss a beat in that Stanley Cup final. But that kind of hits more at the second point. There was so much more that could have been had. And I don't mean like cups wise, and this isn't his fault. After Nathan Horton left until 2018 and then after Rick Nash's retirement, it was a long time until he had like a legit, like two legitimate line mates. And I think that's just sort of regret on the part of like of ownership or not ownership, but the front office of you should have given, gave him more, you know, you just look at, you know, Mark, you know, Bergeron had Marshan and, 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 and Krejci had Horton and Lucic at the beginning of his career. And that's great. But after those two were gone, there should have been, you know, they, they, DeBrusque was sort of the guy on the left side for a good amount of time. They tried Rick Nash. He got a, you know, retired due to concussions. But I mean, you look at that 2019 cup final, you know, rolling out there with, with, with Carl Carson Kuhlman and David Backus never really fit on his right side. And, you know, Taylor Hall, baby, Peter Solarek, like you can go through the laundry list of names that they tried and tried and tried next to him and none of them fit. And it wasn't his fault. Really. It was just, they didn't develop the talent well enough to go next to him. And you just think like if they hit on a draft pick or if they, they go out and, and spend in a different area. Right. I mean, I understand it's salary cap league. Maybe you got to d- subtract money from one spot in the lineup, put it in a, in, in, on a right wing next to him, whatever it might be. He just never really found the fit after Lucic and, and, and Horton. Now, obviously, you know, this year with, uh, you know, Pasternak playing next to him. I know he mentioned that when he went to the check, like, you know, kind of took a shot at Cassidy and uh, the 21, 22 season, but just, you just wonder like if he has a right wing for that amount of time from 14 until let's say like 2020, 2021, I think it's a, it's a, you know, it's a different game. It's not saying it hurt his career, but the, Team success, I think, is greater if he has legitimate line mates. Yeah, no, I mean, the blueprint, I think, is pretty cut and dry, right, in terms of you put any amount of talent around him, you're going to get more out of him, especially just the overall team. I mean, as you said, Horton and Lucic, even, you know, Horton leaves and get a Ginla who scores 30 goals, right? Yeah, um, yes, that's right. That's I forgot Ginla had one year and he was nasty. You, uh, you know, even you, as you said, like, playing a whole year with Pasternak, who has 61 goals. And I mean, Pasternak was, I think, kind of, unconscious the whole year anyway but um still like just the how about that, that by really... the way not to interrupt you but how about uh what a pick that was it was the easiest pick in the world for like you know a breakout or like a, have a huge season this past year like obviously Pasternak was going to go off and he freaking scored 61 right. goals of course yeah the easy one to predict there um but yeah you look at just all those things again some of it's bad luck because I think the one that they had planned was definitely Rick Nash I mean you gave up a lot to to get him that was one that he's healthy and he's still there for another year or two who knows how things change right because you gave up a few good pieces give a guy like Lindgren who I think would be really valued here in Boston but you still have like Jake DeBrusque there you still had Rick Nash you thought was going to be back moving forward didn't pan out that way still you look at like whether it's a guy I think we always talk about Mark Stone as the guy right of like ah oh, 
they got him. Ooh. Who knows what it would have changed. And again, it's a testament to – it's not a fault on Krejci, right? I look at, like, that 2018-19 season as, like, arguably his best year, right? Like, you've got, like, 0809 when he breaks through with Wheeler and Ryder. You've got 2011-13, all that stuff. Last year he was great too, but I, I was looking up the numbers. And so he obviously tied his career high with 73 points in that, that season, which was also, like, after a few years of him dealing with injuries and people thinking that he's, like – soft or wasn't impacting the game as, um, as much. Well, remember, the, remember the John Tavares? That was the year that they were going to yes. get John Tavares and Krejci was going to be expendable. Yes. So, like, you have that. And then I looked at it, and he uh, was part of 14 different line combinations that year that had at least 15 minutes of ice time. And I know, like, you know, everyone gets shuffled enough. You'll see random lines that are there for 5, 10 minutes. 15 minutes means, like, at least a game or two of, of trying things out. Whether it's like him with Heinen or Solaric or Bacchus or Kuhlman or Joakim Nordstrom was the third uh, most used line mate next to uh, was the, he really today. yes it's like over it was like over a hundred minutes I was like when the fuck did that happen like how did the, I forget that that's yeah, crazy yeah, exactly. Joakim Nordstrom and that that yeah. just goes to show you know yeah and for him to produce you know over seventy points ties career high and then in the playoffs yes you look at. The fact that game seven, you had to have Carson Kuhlman out there between him or David Backus, who was obviously had, you know, slipped quite a bit from his level of play. Yes, he didn't lead the lead the league in scoring again that postseason, but he still had 16 points. Like, he still was doing what he needed to be done to, to drive plan that second line. So, yeah, it is something you look back on. It's not, I think, an indictment on Krejci's pot. Um, you know, I think he, he's proven it time and time again that he can deliver in those situations. But uh, it's it's always, you know, you can fall down the kind of the shoulda, woulda, coulda rabbit hole there. We even mentioned this, I think, with Bergeron in terms of whether they should have more cups. But you look at, like, that one piece that was probably missing somewhere along the lines, whether it was, like, the McDonough trade or the Mark Stone trade or anything like that. Those are the ones that kind of loom large because you had a winning formula here. You just kind of needed that extra push to get you over the top because I don't think it was a fault of Krejci at all in terms of what he's able to do with pretty much a carousel of wingers for five-plus years of his career. Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com dot com slash boston and start earning bonus bets with america's number one sports book that's fanduel.com slash boston 21 plus and present in mass first online real money wager only ten dollar deposit required refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days restrictions apply see terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook hope is here gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24 7 support Play it smart from the start, GameSenseMA.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the show. Yeah, it's interesting how, like, you know, you mentioned sort of the the 17-18 deadline, which I think that was, was that the Mark Stone? Uh, that was the, or 18-19 might have been Mark Stone. I know yes, McDonough, was. McDonough was 17-18, that deadline, yeah. so like, it's funny, like those years, you know, you look at obviously at those two kind of retool years and then you have, you know, 17, 18, 18, 19, 19, 20. 
they didn't start making big game changing trades at the deadline to to solidify sort of those needs because remember it was always a left shot defenseman post Krug and you still kind of even needed maybe a bigger left shot defenseman behind Chara um, when, when Krug was still here and the other thing was you know a a winger and that didn't really come until Taylor Hall I mean I know they tried with Rick Nash but that just didn't really you know pan out obviously it's not really the Bruins fault. And then, you know, you have Hall and then Hampus Lindholm comes, you know, in, in 2022, um, you know, and so sudden, and, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi uh, at this past deadline, but it just felt like a little too late in their careers. You know, like the window was closing and those are like, should have been more in on McDonough. Mark Stone, obviously, again, hindsight's 2020, but that, that just even then would have made a ton of sense. And it's just regret. In that sense. And that's nothing to do with Krejci. And I think, as you said, it's more kind of a shows what Krejci was able to do with not a lot. I mean, you mentioned 14 different line mates. That's absurd in that season. And he still produced, he tied his career high in points. I mean, that's nuts. That is crazy. And, you know, to have that. And it's funny, like Bergeron obviously gets, the and, and rightfully so, Bergeron gets a lot of the attention and it makes sense. And, you know, greatest two-way forward ever, all that. But pretty stable lines throughout the years. Like there was not a ton of upheaval on his left and right. I mean, he was fortunate to find Martian and kind of they stuck. And then, you know, on the right side, you know, you, know, you had, uh, you know, Recky in that cup run and you, you get, then you get, you know, Riley Smith for a bit and David Pasternak kind of just ignites. So you get lucky with like one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. I'm not saying lucky, but I'm saying like, you know, you, you have good line mates, you know, yes. great, you should have had that or something to that. And again, I mean, it, you have to go back and go through the, the salary cap numbers and okay, if you get Mark Stone, are you giving up, you know, an important piece somewhere else? But I just think that right side on the second line was such a glaring hole for so many years that I think, you know, if you had to sacrifice a defenseman, so I'm not going to, I don't have a name, you know, but if you had to sacrifice someone in the top four on defense or I don't know, a prospect somewhere, like, Again, that's where I was going, right? Like, that's the piece I was looking at was, you know, I think they were sort of torn on Sidnika because at the time there was a little bit of promise because you think back to like 17, 18, there was, there were high hopes for him and people knew the days were numbering with Bergeron and Krejci. So it's like, okay, you know, we got Sidnika here, could be the next guy. And it wasn't really until like 2019, 20, 2021 that I think everyone started to see like, oh, he really doesn't fit at the NHL level. And, um, but again, would have been a perfect prospect to trade for uh, whether it be a stone or a different right shot winger. I mean, that would have been outstanding. And again, it's hindsight, but uh, again, if you're sacrificing a top four defenseman on the roster or you're sacrificing a Stadnika, um, or a top prospect at the time. I mean, there weren't a ton, but if you could have sacrificed a couple, um, I think there's an extra cup. I do. I do. We've said it before. If that Rick Nash trade, if Rick Nash comes back and is healthy in 1819, I mean, crazy probably has a career high in points and also they probably win the cup. Um, I hope with the blues, like, I don't think that's crazy to say. So again, that's not an indictment on crazy. It's more of an indictment on the front office for just kind of sitting on their hands with him because it was never addressed. And again, they they did try at the end. I mean, I know I met, you know Bertuzzi, Hall, and and Hall and Krejci worked, and Bertuzzi um, worked with Krejci, and 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 Zaka worked with Krejci. This this and that, 
But I, I just, you know, Kasha and Richie and, you know, guys that just didn't fit. And move the needle. They didn't move right. the needle. And and they were guys like even go back to that 1920 deadline, right? Like Nick Rich, you know, Kasha was like an analytics darling. And we love analytics. We are very pro analytics. But that was a president's trophy winning team. And you went out and got a guy who projects to score more. Like over, I don't remember the deadline options. And mm. I don't, that was, that was like right before COVID. So like a lot happened after that. Maybe my memory's a little foggy at that time. Yeah. But that's over guys that, were sure things and he wasn't because I think Hall got moved to Arizona at that deadline, right? Yes. Yeah. I believe that's correct. So maybe that's an option back then. I don't remember if the Bruins were heavily in on him, but they just kind of, you know, third line replacement wingers just didn't really move the needle there. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like a double-edged sword of like Krejci was so good for so long with like just a rotating cast of characters that you can almost be like, all right, we got more pressing needs of, to find another top defenseman after Char is gone. Like we can plug and play guys in there. And at the very least, Krejci's going to be a 55, 65 point guy driving play. You're still going to be fine. You're still going to be solid and put the other pieces in play to succeed, which again, uh, it's, if, it, if like, let's say in 2018, 19, like Krejci with DeBrusque and this rotating cast around him, if he like plummeted to, 44 points over 82 games and you'd be like what the hell like we have to do something here because you know he can drive some play we need to have top six middle six players at the very least uh driving play next to him which really wasn't the case for a lot of those guys that were out there it wasn't like it's a guy that eventually served into like a, a steady third line role you know even like a guy like johansson who debuted as a potential option there he ended up settling in on the third line which worked out great but it's still not guys that are necessarily moving the needle there but um yeah it's something where Krejci was almost so good in terms of dealing with kind of whatever they threw at him that of course he wanted like David Pasternak who frankly wouldn't but he still was still so productive in those roles that it almost allowed the Bruins to look elsewhere or I would say find concessions because like it's not saying they weren't kicking over every stone looking for a Mark Stone or someone like that but when it's the options of maybe emptying your cupboard of what you thought was maybe a, a really you know promising prospect like Sidnika or moving a third round pick or a second round pick for Gallagher Hansen. If you have a guy in the middle of crazy, that's still driving play. You can kind of make that concession in that regard. So again, it's one of those you look back on and obviously you'd like to have those fortunes change, but um, it's almost a testament to crazy and how good he was in terms of how maybe that influenced what they were able to do to kind of give him some more reinforcements there on that second line. You nailed it. He was so freaking reliable. I mean, for 15 years, you never had to worry about production down the middle. Like, and, 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 you know, we touched on this a little bit while Bergeron and Krejci were still here of like, you don't know how good you have it until it's gone. And by the way, and Krejci was, a, you know, I mean, I still believe he's underappreciated, but I think Bruins fans understood what he brought. But I think like going into every season, you know, would say, oh, like, you know, how's the right side of Krejci going to be? You know, who's going to move into that? Who's going to be a prospect that emerges you know, on, to be on the third line and and who's going to, you know, settle in on the second power play unit and, you know, this and that. But it was never, are they going to have enough production from down the middle? That was never, ever questioned in the last 15 years. It was, you knew what you had. You knew what you had in, in Bergeron and Krejci. And with Krejci, you knew that whoever you put with him, as you said, you were going to get something. You know, would you get more with Mark Stone next to Krejci? Yes. Same with Pasternak. But if you put... Kasha there or 
a Nick Ritchie or something. He could find a way to get something, you know, it was, you know, it was, it wasn't everything, but he found a way to get something. And I think that that's something that's going to be missed as we look into this season and you look at, you know, can Zaka do that? Can Coyle do that? Can Morgan Geeky do that? Can anyone do that? All right. A little break in today's show, because I want to tell you about our good friends over at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Banish the end of summer blues with HelloFresh because I know it can be annoying, but no need to stress about how you'll handle it all this fall because HelloFresh takes care of the meal planning and delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to your home. So whipping up a homemade meal is a breeze. And do you feel like you would love a wholesome homemade meal, but there's just not enough time? With HelloFresh, all you need is 15 minutes and you'll be enjoying a tasty, satisfying meal made in your own kitchen. Just look for their quick and easy dinner options, plus quick breakfasts and lunches too. And I get it. I get it. Life gets busy. But when things get busy, don't call for delivery. Get HelloFresh. It's 25% cheaper than takeout. And it's less expensive than grocery shopping too. Just choose your recipes and receive fresh pre-portioned ingredients so you can get cooking quick and you did it all yourself. I can attest to this. I recently made the chicken sausage spaghetti bolognese and mmm, I was sent everything from the fresh crushed tomatoes to the spaghetti and even to the delicious Italian chicken sausage mix. Literally everything. And in 30 minutes, I had myself a gourmet meal. And I must admit, I felt like a chef, which is a very, very cool feeling. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Bruins and use code 50Bruins for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Bruins and use code 50Bruins for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Now, back to the show. We can do, I want to do favorite moments in a second because it. I think it it's worth noting. Um, but you touched on this in your opening thoughts. Should the number be retired? You say yes. Why? I mean, I, I think you look at just what these players do again, wasn't just like it was, of course, they only win one cup, but you look at it for almost two decades being just perennial contenders um, for a guy who always delivered in the clutch for who played a key role in 2011 was going to be right up there in 2023. If they uh, in 2023 and 2013, again, a decade apart, looking at two different runs there, uh, even 2019, um, you know, you almost kind of view them as almost in like the same vein as like how like Rick Middleton, I think never got like the, the praise he got because he was a little bit, cut from a different cloth is like more of a finesse kind of player, very productive, but a star player in his own right, but didn't really get that same uh, praise. Hopefully that's not the same case. And you don't have to wait until like David Krejci's 60, like Rick Middleton was before he got his number retired. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you just look at everything he contributed, how many, you know, moments, it's almost like he's paired at the the hip with all these guys like Marsh, like Martian and Bergeron. Tar. He's like synonymous with that era that, it almost feels like you're cheapening it if you take one of those guys out, right? It's you know, there's guys like you know Horton and and Recky and like even Lucic who are like that tier below that are synonymous with those kind of teams. But in terms of just being a a guy who spent over a thousand games here, all with one team in the Bruins, I think he's a guy that's synonymous kind of with this era that you know still one cup. But you look at just what they were able to accomplish for 16 years when Krejci was here, I think that warrants a 
a spot up in the rafters. I yes, I don't think this should be overthought. Um, 37, 33, 63, 46. I think as of now, those are the four numbers. You can argue Rask, you can argue 40 goalies. It can be a little bit tougher. Um, they are very stingy with their goalies, so yeah, I don't I don't know if that happens. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, don't overthink this. Um, you mentioned it the stability, the cup. The cup do other cup appearances, of course. Yes, we talked about this Bergeron. You'd like another cup, but you had two other appearances. You were in the playoffs almost every year. Um, just to help set the culture. Such an important player. Is he on the Mount Rushmore? No, he's not. Um, but he goes into that Middleton category of you know, numbers should be retired. Uh, the Bruins seem a little more active with that stuff these days. Things are a little more organized. It feels like the Krejci number retirement should not be put off. You know, I don't think, I hope we're not in like 2046 and we're like, you know, we're, you and I are much older and we're like, Oh, it's David Krejci retirement number night. This is, this is so cool. I don't think that'll be happening. I think it would be much sooner. They, again, they just seem more on top of things. Um, I could be wrong. I hope I'm, I, I hope I'm not wrong. I hope I'm right on that one. Um, but yeah, I think Krejci should have his number retired. Um, but again, I think Marshan Chara, Bergeron. I, I'm not forgetting yes. anybody. Blake Wheeler, 26. I forgot Blake Wheeler. Yes, yes. That one should course. also be retired. Uh, so that may, maybe him. Six for Greg Zanin as well. That should be up in the rafters. Um, yes. Six for Riley, Zanin, all the guys that have held it. But now Mason Lorai has it. So maybe he'll be the last one to wear it. You never know. Clip this, by the way. If this, if that ends if more, in 15 oh, years. Oh, that's, that's absolutely going to happen. <laughs> if if, Lower, if Lorai's number has to be retired in, in 20 years. Clip this. Remember this. Um. Favorite moments. I know, I think you wrote a column today for boston.com. Uh, I'm right about this, right? That was you who wrote yes. that. Uh, ten, I just want to make sure you wrote it. Uh, 10 uh, best moments in Krejci's career. What is your favorite? What are some of your favorites? Yeah, I mean, if I had to give one, I think it's very fitting that I think David Krejci's best play was a pass. And I think it's that that uh, game seven against the Lightning, 2011 Eastern Conference final, that saucer pass. Breaking the one three one that Guy Boucher had, that was the worst thing in the world. Awful. Uh, I think it's still the best hockey game I've ever seen. Maybe arguably the best pure game, you know, regardless of stakes. You know, you can look at like a Super Bowl, you look at the Seahawks or the Falcons or anything like that. In terms of just pure what the game is, the rules of con- of what is playing out there on the ice, <laughs> uh, yes. that 60 minutes, uh, that's still, I think, maybe my favorite game I've ever seen. Um, even though it was absolutely terrifying watching it uh, growing up. I felt like it was, what, like seven minutes and, what, 7.32, I think, was left in it. And it felt like there was still like four hours left in that game. So uh, that one sticks out to me, though, in terms of, again, I think it's fitting. That's how you get those uh, chances where it's a, a beautiful feed uh, leading to a Horton goal. That's the moment that sticks out to me. Yeah, that is the – I think that's the defining one. Um, as you said, it's fitting. It's a pass. Um, I will go with, uh, I, I, that's my number one as well, but just another, uh, moment that was outstanding was, uh, there was a goal. I think it was, was a game four of that Vancouver series where he beat Luongo. Uh, it was like off a rebound or something, beat Luongo. And, uh, then he kind of went up against the glass, just kind of spread arms. And it was just sort of emblematic of how much they just dominated Luongo in that series. I mean, I think him in that series in general is, uh, outstanding i would put that up there um mm-hmm. as well so like to me that like that was just that that series and how good he was um i'm trying to think of other like fantastic moments uh for him i mean there was 
the hat trick against Toronto in, in 2013 that was outstanding. There was also, didn't he get a hat trick against Tampa in that Eastern Conference final series? And they game lost. Game six. Getting game six, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, and they lost. And he did it in Tampa. And it's often forgotten, but like just how clutch he was in the playoffs. I mean, that, like just the whole playoff crutch narrative to me, um, I just think was so, so good. Um, and so I guess, you know, but the one play is the pass. I, that's, I mean, all you have to say is just the pass. Um, do you have any other moments that stick out that that signify him or help you remember? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's all just also just the, you know, him away from the ice or something. And he was reviewed for his, by his teammates, I think, for his like, sense of humor. He's very dry uh, in terms of very quick-witted. Um, again, very quiet, would always deflect praise um, to dole out his way, but I think, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, you talk about guys like Chara and, and Bergeron and and what they did in terms of having that commanding presence that lead by example. You also need guys like Krejci, not to say that he's like the the class clown by any means, but he's still a guy that um, could alleviate kind of the tension in the room, a calming kind of presence out there, and that can go a long way as well. So, you know, it's almost like it's, for David Krejci, it's almost like just like not singular moments, but just like sequences because he's just so consistently – solid you know you almost like lose track of like all these playoff runs he's had of just how steady he was it wasn't like yeah there was like you know hat tricks he had that hat trick against the maple leafs uh you know on the road there in, in 2013 um all those individual games but it's almost like just how steady he was throughout it where it's like you look at 2011 and it was like one assist two goal game two assists like it's just steady throughout you know constantly kind of tormenting the opponent team uh, the opposing team throughout kind of those runs. I think that's kind of what sticks out is just how steady and reliable he was throughout that stretch. There was a funny moment that Eric Russo tweeted, uh, or Eric, I think, put on his Instagram, and it was uh, you know, Eric was interviewing Sean Corrali. I don't, I forget what year or, or what city they were in, but uh, Craig kept interrupting it with, you know, like, Sean, what are we doing for lunch? You know, uh, just Sean, have you ever had Philly cheesesteak in Philly before? And it just clearly, messing with him but it didn't like he didn't give off that he was messing with him you know like he acted like mm-hmm. he was very serious in doing so um and he was good at kind of keeping a straight face like i would be like you know giggling or you know this mm-hmm. or that but he kept it very straight so um I, yeah i mean i just think that you know he's a guy that operated as consistently as you could hope a second line and sometimes a first line center could be um and you know i think he's a he's you know, numbers should be retired and uh, just an outstanding player. And, you know, I think the Bruins would kill to get another David Krejci or someone remotely like him, but they're going to have to do a lot more to do that. Um, And that's something we'll get into later. We don't have to do that on this episode. We can just appreciate and bask in the amazing career of David Krejci uh, because what a career it was, one Stanley Cup and uh, a hell of a lot of good moments um, along the way. So uh, with that, Aside from your column on uh, Krejci's uh, 10 most memorable moments, uh, what can people look forward to from you over Boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we're going to have you covered throughout this offseason as it kind of winds down here a little bit. So whether it's looking at lineup uh, decisions, we did a, a piece recently looking at Trent Frederick and where he might best fit in the lineup uh, moving forward this season. Um, we'll have you covered every step of the way as we get uh, as we start bracing ourselves for uh, training camp uh, here for the Bruins. So. You can read all my stuff over at boston.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do 
all that. And we are presented by our good friends over at FanDuel and HelloFresh. You Bruinsby listeners, have a great rest of your week. (laughs) 